Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. There's a couple things I want to do today. One is I want to give you an update, first of all, about what's going on uh, through Hatikva Project and in Israel in general. And then uh, I want to share a word with you about uh, having a missional mindset in our day-to-day lives, how we can think about our everyday lives, whether we're on a mission field in Africa or whether we're here in West Virginia. And I, I love so much that just as you did your missions feature, how you showed how it's both international and local, because that's what the Lord has on my heart today to talk about is how we live out missions as a day-to-day calling, not just as something that we fund and send people to do in other places. Um, so I feel like we're tracking together already. Um, before I get into the Hatikva update, if you want to go ahead and just put up that slide, there's what, just a free gift we want to offer you today. Uh, we put together recently uh, a little resource called Six Hebrew Words for Worship and Their Surprising Meanings, where we go through uh, different Hebrew words that are used in the Old Testament. And there's actually, there's even more than six, but there's a lot of Hebrew words in the Old Testament that are translated in our English Bibles as worship, but with varied meanings, and they help to give more of a texture and an understanding to what the Lord means when he's asking us to worship him. So I just want to invite you, if you're interested in that, you can text uh, HP to 44144 and get that as a free resource, and then that'll be with you. So we're just happy to be able to offer that to you today. Um, Yes, Hatikva Project. So we've been in Israel for over 13 years now, my family and I. Uh, All our children were born there. My wife and my children will be here in the the second service, so you might get to see them or or shake their hands as they come in. And we went there because we believe uh, that we are in a very unique season of time prophetically, uh, and that comes from our understanding of Ezekiel 36. Uh, Without bringing it up, in Ezekiel 36, the Lord sort of lays out a three-step plan for the nation of Israel. He says, first, that he will regather the Jewish people physically to the land of Israel. Uh, which he has done. So for 2,000 years, the Jewish people were not uh, living primarily in the land of Israel. We had been uh, kicked out. And then in 1948, the Lord created the nation again sovereignly and began bringing Jewish people back to where now there's 7 million Jewish people living in the nation of Israel. Um, So he said he would do that. And then he said after that, he would soften our hearts, that my people's hearts that have been so hard towards Jesus and towards the gospel for centuries and centuries that the Lord would begin to soften our hearts towards him and that then he would pour out his Holy Spirit on us. And I want to tell you that we are absolutely living in the season of softened hearts in Israel. Um, There has never been an easier time to share the gospel with the Jewish people. There's never been more of an openness to the gospel in the people of Israel than what we're seeing right now. And it's something sovereign that the Lord's doing. Um, he promised it was going to happen, and he keeps his promises. So we're not to the part yet where God is pouring out his Holy Spirit and people are running to the altar, but it's coming. Yeah. Amen? Because God promised it's coming. So doing missions in Israel, is, it's the most unique mission field in the world, I believe, because there's two things. One is God promised, first of all, that there would be a season for the Jewish people where he would actually give us a spirit of stupor, where we would not be able to see the truth of the gospel so that in his sovereignty and in his purposes, the gospel could go out to all the nations. But then he also promises uh, in Romans 11 that there will be a day when all of Israel is saved. 
So we have this dichotomy of promises of one, we're going to be a people that can't hear the gospel message for, for centuries, but then at one point, the flip is going to switch and our eyes are going to be open and we're all going to look upon the one whom we have pierced. And it says, and mourn for him as one mourns for his firstborn son and say, yes, finally, Jesus, Yeshua, you're the one we've been waiting for. So we're right on the cusp of that right now. So it's a really exciting time to be doing missions in Israel. And what we're doing right now through a Tikra project is we primarily work in three areas, and it's developed over the years. But we want to both strengthen the indigenous body of Messiah, the indigenous body of Christ in Israel, and then also come up with creative ways to engage the culture uh, for Jesus. So we have three departments. Hatikva Aid is we help families all throughout Israel, believing families primarily, not exclusively, but primarily in this department, who are struggling financially, single mothers, widows, orphans. We work with them. We provide financial counsel. We provide financial support, um, financial counsel through a partner ministry and financial support directly from us and help to see people healed and getting healthy so that they can have some of these burdens that they're carrying take away so they can live more fully for the Lord. Uh, number two is we have a huge dental department. So the Lord brought dental care to our, to our, onto our radar in our first years in Israel. My wife is a dental hygienist. Um, I won't get into the whole story because I got a message I really want to preach. But um, basically the Lord wove it all together to put us in a strategic place where we can offer a really... Uh, quality dental care to the nation in the name of Jesus. So over half the nation can't afford the dental care that they need. Um, it's actually a very difficult thing for most people to get in Israel. And um, in 2015, the Lord let us to open our first dental clinic, and now we have two, and then we've expanded recently um, to where we have dental clinics that are staffed completely by believers, uh, by Arab believers and Jewish believers, very intentionally working together. Uh, we bring everybody in, always telling them, that we're doing everything in the name of Jesus. We never hide it. Uh, we provide the full service care, anything from extractions to orthodontics, basically everything you could need a dentist to do. And we do it all at a price that people can afford. And then we always say that it's in the name of the Lord. So we're actually the only organization in Israel that provides any kind of full-scale dental care to the needy. And because of that, we are super overwhelmed. Uh, we're right now successfully treating around 2,000 patients a year. Um, we work with the government. Uh, we have one of our rules at Hatikva Project is we never try to sneak Jesus in through the back door. We always bring him in through the front door with us. So when we sat down with the government officials, we said, hey, this is who we are. We are going to provide you with this resource. We can meet this need, but we're not going to compromise on the sharing of the gospel. People that want to hear, we're going to let them hear. Nobody's going to be forced to, but we're going to offer New Testaments. We're going to offer um, care, and they all agreed to do it with us. So the Department of Welfare of Jerusalem and the Department of Welfare of Haifa actually send people to us knowing that we're going to use dental care as a bridge to share the gospel. So God's been moving mightily there. And then our third department is um, adoption and foster care support. We believe super, super strongly uh, in adoption and in foster care and that uh, really adopting and fostering children is one of the highest expressions of the gospel message. And we wanted to see the body get involved in Israel, and there wasn't really any involvement from, from local believers in that field, and so we've been working at that for, for several years now. Um, we train families, we equip families, we support families that are fostering and adopting. We're seeing for the very first time in the history of Israel people that are openly saying they believe in Jesus being granted foster children and adoption, um, which is a real breakthrough because of some of the advocacy we've been able to do. We've brought in a new system of training into Israel for how to deal with uh, children that come from traumatized backgrounds that's based on biblical principles. 
and now we're actually training the officials, not believing officials, but just leading organizations are coming to us to receive equipping on how to use biblical principles to heal trauma in children's lives. And uh, then last year, and this was in big thanks to iHeart because you guys partnered with us on this project, we opened um, our first emergency shelter home for children. So we were able to purchase an emergency shelter home for children that are in dangerous situations and get that completely outfitted and, and ready to go. So a big thank you from us. Um, I'm glad I got to come here and say thanks instead of just sending the video. Um, but uh, we are, we've been really appreciative of your support and your care and of our relationship with Brandon and Pastor Brandon and Melody for many, many years now. So um, let's go ahead and get into the message now. Um, the message is called a missional mindset. How can we have a missional mindset uh, in our day-to-day -day lives and in, in everything that we do? And I know today's a, a focus on, on missions and on missionaries. Um, but what I want to do is help us all to understand that just because I'm sent to Israel or I feel like the Lord has sent me to Israel or some of these pastors were in different countries doesn't mean that I'm the only missionary in the room. I really believe that every single person in this room is called to missions. Missions is not something, and I said this before, I might repeat it again. It's not something that we just fund and send people to do. It's something that is in every single one of our lives a calling, a day-to-day -day calling to be in a missionary mindset to all the people that the Lord places in our path. So let's talk about, uh, I want to bring up a couple scriptures and compare and contrast them. Because there's the classic approach to missions, and then there's the everyday approach to missions. Um, so in Matthew chapter 28, it says, and this is a verse that we're all very, very familiar with, and probably at every missions conference you've ever been to or every missions event, this is... This is the scripture. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we get the, the go, go out, go, therefore, to all the nations, there are people who are called as missionaries to specific nations. There's probably people sitting in this room who the Lord has already put in your heart a specific nation, and you feel a tug or a draw or a calling towards that place, and it may very well be that the Lord is calling you to get up and to go to that nation. That's what we felt for Israel. That's what we felt, my wife and I, for Israel. That's what we got up and we, we went but the Lord has already sent all of us as believers into all the nations. You guys have been sent to West Virginia. You didn't choose where you were born, most of you. Most of you are from here. Uh, many of you came. But the Lord has already sent us into all the nations, even where we are right now. We've been sent to the place that we're already at. The Lord can change that assignment. He can pick you up and send you to somewhere else. But we all need to see ourselves as sent. You've already been sent. You've been sent here if you're here, if this is where the Lord's planted you. And so the other verse that I wanted to highlight, just to compare it to the going and the sending, is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. And it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
So I think this is a missions verse too, personally. So there's the classic missions verse, go to all the nations I've sent you out, but then there, which is a mobility, which is a getting up and a going. But this one says you've been planted. You're a city that's on a hill. Cities that are on hills don't get up and go. They stay there. And some of us are called to that. But we're all called to missions. We're all called to missions. You know, not all of us are, there's five what they call um, office gifts in the Bible. Not all of us are called to be pastors. Not all of us are called to be teachers. Not all of us are called to be evangelists with like a capital E where you're a peculiar anointed to be an evangelist. Not all of us are called to be prophets or, or um, which ones am I missing? Or apostles. But I do believe we're all called to be missionaries. So all of us in this room are missionaries. Uh, one time I was at a conference, uh, Church of the Highlands. Some of you know Pastor Chris Hodges. And he told a story about how in the very beginning of his pastorate, he was out to breakfast with uh, a person that was at his church. And somebody came up and was in, who knew the man, and he introduced him to, to Pastor Chris. And he said, this is my preacher, Pastor Chris. And Pastor Chris said, he turned to him and he goes, I'm not the preacher. I'm the pastor. You're the preacher. And he was like, shy. he's like, no, no, you're the preacher. He's like, no, you're the preacher. Just trying to get him to understand that just because he's a pastor doesn't mean he's the only one that's supposed to be preaching the gospel. Like we're all the preacher, right? And we're all the missionary. So how can we succeed at witnessing to those around us? Because I think most of us say yes to this in our hearts. We have an amen. Yes, I want to be a light to the, to the people around me. I want to share the gospel. But how do we actually accomplish that? How do we get over the hump or the fear or the, the challenges to actually be able to share the gospel with the people in our neighborhoods? Because I can tell you sometimes that's the most difficult people. The people you interact with on a day-to-day uh, level are sometimes the people that it's the hardest to share the gospel with. Because you're like, I got to see that person tomorrow. And I got to see that person the next day. And, and if I share, then it's going to put this responsibility on me. Or maybe you're not really a big fan of that person and you just don't want to talk to him in the first place anyways. It's a lot easier sometimes to just go out and preach the gospel, even in a stadium, to people that are nameless and faceless than it is to actually get involved in the life of the person that lives across the street from you. But I think there's some steps that, that we've been learning, that the Lord's been teaching us over the last uh, couple of years, my wife and I. Because I would say that my wife and I have become, even though we've been running a missions ministry for 13 years, we have become more missional over the last two years than we ever have before, where we're seeing this integration, not only of when I go to the office and when I'm running the ministry, oh, we're doing missions work right now, but actually seeing a life of missions get cultivated in our hearts to where every day is a missions opportunity, not just when we're on the clock, but also when we're at the grocery store. And that's something the Lord has been training us in. So how can we do this? Number one is we have to truly care about people. And not just in a general sense. I think it's easy for all of us to say, do you love people? Yes. The Lord has given us love for people. We love all people. But we have to be able to love individuals. Not just people that we enjoy. Not just people that bring us pleasure being around. But the difficult people. That person across the street that I talked about that, I don't know, mows their lawn at a time that annoys you. Who knows what it is. Or that, you know, leaves their Christmas lights on too long. Or, or your coworker who's, who's on your nerves. But even these people, God loves them so much. And, you know, we have to pray. It's all through the Holy Spirit. 
know, we can't love people unless the Holy Spirit empowers us to love people. We can't even love God unless the Holy Spirit empowers us to love him. So there's a prayer that I have adopted. Well, two prayers. One's a little bit, one I heard a pastor preach about, and then another one I sort of felt the Lord leading us to as a tag onto that, which is first, I've begun praying in my quiet time, Lord, grant me a work of the Holy Spirit that I might love your son the way that you love him. And then the second is, Lord, grant me a work of the Holy Spirit that I might love people the way that you love them. Because we have to have this supernatural love of God that comes from the Holy Spirit to love the people that he wants us to share the gospel with. It doesn't come from our flesh. It doesn't come from our good intentions. We need a work of the Holy Spirit to grant us the grace to love people, and not just people in general, but to love individual people. So that's number one is uh, if we all begin to pray, Father, grant me a work of the Holy Spirit to care about individuals the way that you do, to see them the way that you see them. I believe if we get that in us, then we will have compassion. And if we're motivated by compassion, then we're compelled to share the gospel. Uh, a few years ago, we were on our way to a little birthday party in Israel. Uh, my wife and I, we, we jumped in the car, put the three kids in the back, hit the highway, just expected, it was about a 25-minute drive, expected about a 25-minute drive to this birthday party. We didn't bring water, we didn't bring food, just us going to a birthday party um, without a, you know, a care in the world. Get on the highway, and then a little bit in front of us as we're driving, there's, there's a huge multi-car crash, and the highway comes to a dead stop, right? Just a dead stop. And there's cars in front of us, and there's cars behind us, and we were stuck there for hours, hours on the highway. No water, no food, three kids in the back, one who was still nursing, Elisa trying to get to the baby in the back and then in the front. The air conditioning wasn't working well because it was over 100 degrees. The car was hot. It was just like the pressure cooker of pressure cookers for parents. And I remember at one point, I just yelled out, this is hell. <laughs> and then I heard a voice say, or I felt my spirit, or later as I thought about it, wait, this isn't hell. Like, compared to real hell, this is a vacation. And I thought about that moment, how if I had known, right, let's say we were having a, let's say you're out uh, at lunch somewhere, and um, you hear a table of people next to you, and they're talking about their plans for the day, and you can't help but overhear. They're about to get on, what's the main highway here, 75 or 64? They're about to jump on 75, and you hear they're going, oh, we're going to go this way, and we're going to take this route. And you have just seen on your phone an alert that says there's been a giant multi-car crash on that highway. And you know that if they go on that highway right now, they're going to be stuck for hours. For hours, and it's going to be a nightmare. Would we not be compelled by compassion for strangers that we don't even know to say, I'm so sorry to butt in on your personal conversation. I don't want to invade your space. But, but I heard you just saying that you're about to go get on 75 and you might not have seen it, but there was just a huge accident there. And if you go get on 75 right now, you and your kids are going to be stuck in the car for hours. So you might want to change the direction that you're heading. Would we not be compelled to say that? And then maybe they just brushed us off. Maybe they didn't really understand. And they said, oh, okay, thank And they, you can tell they didn't really give that any weight. And they're going, would we not be compelled to say at least one more time? No, you don't understand. If you go get on 75 right now, you're going to be stuck there for three or four hours. It's going to be terrible. 
How much more, how much more for the people in our lives? They're walking a road that leads to a pit that they can't get out of. How can we not be motivated by compassion to say, you're going the wrong way? You don't even understand it. But my compassion for you compels me to share with you. You're heading in the wrong direction. There's people out there, they've heard it maybe, and you think, oh, they've heard the gospel, but, but they haven't heard it from you. And they haven't heard it in the way that the Lord is asking you to share it with them. And we, are compel- we must be compelled by compassion. We can't be indifferent to the fact that there's people walking around in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our workplaces that are walking and about to fall into a bottomless pit from which there is no escape. And we either believe that or we don't. But if we're really going to believe that it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment, and you're either going to be with the Lord forever, you're going to be separated from him forever, then we must be compelled by compassion to tell people they're going in the wrong direction. Okay. So if we get this love for people inside of us, for individuals, and then we're compelled by compassion to save them from impending doom, how do we get over ourselves now to have the courage to go and share the gospel? Because what I think is a lot of us feel we're going to do it wrong. I'm going to say it wrong. I'm not going to back it up enough with my life. So the first time anybody ever shared the gospel with me, I was just a little Jewish kid, had no idea about anything about the gospel, on a playground in grade school. And the little grade school girl ran up to me, literally just, we hadn't been talking the whole day. She just stopped what she was doing, came up to me, said, hi, my daddy says you're going to hell because you're Jewish. (laughs) And then she ran back the other way. You can't do it any wronger than that, (laughs) right? That is the worst possible method for sharing the gospel. But even in that, I want to tell you, even in that, after I got done being super offended, (laughs) the Lord used it. You know why? Because it was the first time a question went into my heart that said, why would she say that? Why would she say that? And it was actually that incomprehensibly bad sharing of the gospel (laughs) that opened me to the question for the first time, am I walking in the correct direction? Am I heading towards the correct destination? So I share that to share with you that I promise you the worst sharing of the gospel that's ever happened has already occurred. (laughs) So you're not going to do it any worse than that. So... We, can have, we don't have to be afraid of sharing the gospel the wrong way. There's not a second hell to scare people into. There's only the one. So we don't have to be, we got to get over ourselves and our fear of man and just pray for a supernatural, you know, ending of fear of man so we can open our mouths and share with people. The Lord had me in a season the last year. Uh, I don't know what he was doing, what he was training me or, or what it was, but it seemed like every day when I was walking through Jerusalem for a couple months, as I was walking, I would make eye contact with some person and the Lord or the Holy Spirit would say that one. And I'd have to stop what I was doing each time and go, oh God, not again. And, and, but I couldn't, get, I couldn't get rid of it. And he'd say that one. 
And sometimes I'd be like, okay, if they're sitting on that bench in five minutes, I'm going back. But, I'm, <laughs> but, but and so, and, and the Lord had me in this season where every single time, it, different people, young people, old people, and the Lord said, that one. And I, I, he was training me in obedience to say yes. And I didn't always know what to say. So it was awkward. So I just kind of owned the awkwardness of it. So I would go up to them and I'd say, I would say in Hebrew, but I'd say, listen, I know this sounds weird. I know this is strange. But I just felt like the Lord told me that I need to come over and pray for you. Or I need to come over and speak to you. Or I need to come over and ask you if you've ever heard of Yeshua, if you've ever heard of Jesus. And some people were open. Some people weren't. There was one man where there was, there was this owner of this restaurant. It's actually the restaurant my wife and I met at. And he's in his late 80s, I think. And um, I was walking by. I walk by this restaurant every day on my way to work. And the Lord said, him. And I was like, oh, God. I got a meeting. But I said, okay, but I'll come back as soon as, because I did have a meeting. So I'll come back as soon as the meeting was over. And I felt like the Lord said, take a, take a New Testament with you. So I went in, and um, they asked me if I needed to be sat at a table. And I was like, no, I actually just came to talk to him which is already super awkward. <laughs> and I went up to him and I said, hey, you don't really know me. I work right down the street. I've come to your restaurant many, many times, but I felt like I needed to come and I needed to give you this book. And he looked at it and he saw what it was and he started to hand it back to me. And I just said, no, 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 you don't understand. I felt like the Lord just told me specifically to come talk to you. Like he highlighted you to me and he told me to give you this book. I said, you don't have to be afraid of this book. I know a lot of people are, well, in Israel, a lot of people are afraid of the New Testament. I said, it's a Jewish book. It was written by Jewish disciples about a Jewish Messiah, and all of it takes place here in this nation. And he said, he changed, and he said, okay. And he, and he took it. Now, I don't know what happened after that, but I've been praying for him. The point is that we don't always have to know what we're going to say or how we're going to say it. We just got to go. And we don't know what the Lord's going to do, but we have to trust him to take our awkward, not, not good enough, and make it into something. But the worst thing we can do is not say anything. Because I promise you not saying anything isn't going to help. So we have to trust God to take our weakness and our not good enough and anoint it and make something come out of it. And then the last thing is, it's like what I've discovered over the last year or two is it's like a muscle. It's like working out. The more you do it, the easier it gets. It really, it really is true. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. It is so, we, Elisa and I, over the last couple years have shared the gospel with so many people. And it's not always fireworks, you know? It's not always, then they came to church the next Sunday and gave their lives to the Lord. I guess it'd be like, then they came to our congregation the next Saturday and gave their lives to the Lord. But um, for us there, it doesn't always happen that way, but we're faithful we're faithful to go out and proclaim the word. We don't know. You know, one person plants, another person waters. We don't know what's going to happen. But we're faithful to make it a part of our lives. So what we've done is we have a few touch points in our lives that always make a natural turn to talking about the gospel. We found things that people ask you about in polite conversation that then work for us to pivot and talk about the gospel. So for us, it's um, our kids go to a, a private school that's a Messianic Jewish school. So it's a school where it's all believers in Jesus in Jerusalem. So whenever kid, people ask you, where do your kids go to school? Ah, you know, then we're on our way already. And we tell them where they go to school. And most people in Israel are extremely interested at this point. They, it's like, 
they're like, that's so interesting. Tell me more. I want to hear more. So there's that. And then there's obviously for us, what do you do for a living? I mean, we could just say, my wife's a dental hygienist. She could just say, I'm a dental hygienist and, and leave it at that. But we found that these are God-given opportunities for us to say, well, we actually run a nonprofit. It's based on our faith in Yeshua. And um, so, many, so many people have been open. We've talked with teachers, real estate agents. Everybody knows we're believers now. Everybody. And it's just become, you know, when, you, when your day-to-day life is not completely lived openly for how much, when we're a different person in this room than we are in, in our workplace, there's that lack of cohesion. There's a, a little bit of a lack of integrity almost when we're a different person here than we are there. And what we found is when we integrate those two worlds into one place, one, it's good for us, but it's really good for the gospel because then we just live it out in a way where we don't have to hide anything. And that's something you can pray for us for in Israel because in Israel, it's still definitely not the norm. Um, I guess getting back to that a little bit, there's around 40,000 believers in a country of 9 million people. So, and there's a huge cultural um, uh, aversion to the gospel. Um, so a lot of people are, are trepidatious of sharing that they're believers and even uh, think it's okay to be a secret believer. Um, but, but we're coming against that. We don't think it's okay to be a secret believer. We think that if you confess him before men, that he will confess you before his Father in heaven. So it's important for us to integrate missions into our daily lives. It becomes something we do, not just something we send other people to do. So what I want to do is, um, we've got about five minutes left. I want to pray for you guys. And Pastor Brandon, you can come up when you feel it's time. That there would be a new outpouring of boldness on this church to take what happens here and take it out there. I also want to pray for people. I feel like there's probably people in this room who are called to missions internationally as well. And if the Lord's speaking to your heart about that right now, I just want to pray over that as well, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give us compassion and passion for the lost. God, I pray that lost, the lost would not be an inconvenience to us, but that our days would have the flexibility in them to allow us time for the lost, Lord. Time to stop what we're doing, Lord and to see someone who's hurting, and to hear you say that one, and to go. Yesterday, my wife was on a run, and she, uh, she passed somebody, and she's like, I wish I had gone back and shared the gospel with them. I wish I had talked to them more. But I knew I needed to get home so you could get ready. And I said, honey, I give you the flexibility. If you ever need to stop and talk to somebody about the gospel, we'll work out the schedule. Just know that you have my blessing to stop and take the extra time. Lord, so I pray that you would put that in all of our lives, Lord, the flexibility in our hearts, God, that when those moments come, those God-ordained moments, that we would not miss them, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would shod our feet with the readiness of the gospel, Lord. I pray that you would put a heart in us 
to compel people to come into your kingdom, Lord. People that are walking in the wrong direction, Lord. That we wouldn't be able to stand by and watch them go without at least saying, don't go. Come with us. There's a seat at the table for you. I believe that there's people right now that you're cultivating an evangelist heart in them right now, Lord. A heart to go above and beyond in their witnessing of the gospel and a power to match it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm going to be a little bit bold. If there's anybody that the Lord is really working on your heart about this sharing of the gospel, would you just stand? Maybe some people could, like you did in the beginning, lay some hands on the people that are standing. Jesus, we thank you that you're burning in our hearts for the lost, Lord. We thank you that you're causing a fire to be shut up in our bones right now, Lord. A fire for the sharing of the gospel, Lord. About Father, we thank you that not only have you given us, that you're giving us a passion for the lost, Lord, but you're equipping us with power to speak your word in a way that will cause fruit, God. God, we thank you that you're giving us a voice to call people from the wilderness into the kingdom, God. People that are hurting, people that are lost, people that have no idea which way they're going, Lord. That you're giving us the authority to stop them with your Holy Spirit and say, come with me to the table. There is a place for you. The Lord has prepared a place for you. Oh God, that you would fill us with a compassion for individuals, Lord, that we would see people the way you see them, Lord, that the things that offend us about them would no longer offend us because we would see it as a part of their brokenness that you're trying to heal, Jesus. Lord, I pray for just as there is the breaking forth in this place of the supernatural, for a breaking forth of the gospel, Lord. We pray that what you're doing in the hearts of the individuals here, that you would seal it now, Lord. Seal it now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.